Brains, a podcast brought to you by Meta, the technology company formerly known as Facebook. Meta, giving people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. Community. You remember community, don't you? You lonely, abandoned, miserable sack of shit that used to have purpose and meaning. Once, when you were young and the world was real and physical and you would gather in public places and look other people in the eye and breathe the same air together and hear the same sounds, smell the same smells, and feel that you were an important, integrated piece of a vibrant whole. Just one person, sure, but an individual that cared for others and was cared for in return. By other folks just trying to make it in a world that could be confusing and difficult, certainly, but hey, there we all were just trying to make it work together. Now, of course, you find yourself aging painfully, cooped up alone in your apartment, no amount of scrolling or refreshing or Netflix or online shopping able to fill the seemingly ever-growing chasm of emptiness that gnaws at you with a timeless hunger that you sometimes mistake for desire, but you know is just the void. The world has moved on, perhaps... The world will occasionally make use of you, will prop you in the corner and point at you as a totem of what once mattered, and that will feel a little like living for a moment. But use is no balm for your tortured, forsaken soul. Utilization is not love. Being pressed into service is no substitute, spiritually, for the selfless act of mere friendship, of sharing a few quiet moments with another human being, the unspoken appreciation and sheer wonder at the impossible happenstance of two agreeable consciousnesses in happy concert if only for a moment, vibrating underneath you at a frequency that knits the universe together somehow, even as it bubbles out and away, an accelerating separation that will end in total oblivion. But we're not here to dwell on the unpleasant realities of the now. Let's talk about tomorrow. Tomorrow, when, if you're able to crawl your miserable ass out of bed long enough to charge your Oculus headset, you can plug back in to yesterday. Yesterday, when life wasn't just a mundane, consumptive exercise punctuated by algorithmically delivered hits of moral outrage, disgust, or lust, a condition for which Meta neither accepts nor recognizes legal liability, you must understand. When you were happy, join us here in the Metaverse, where an avatar of your legless torso can reunite with the mutilated projections of everyone you once loved in a digital recreation of the things that once brought you fulfillment. A joyless simulacra beamed right into your brain to remind you that life is always worth living, if you can remember when it was, in fact, worth living. Meta, because the future is here, and it fucking sucks ass, but we have heard you. We amalgamated the clicks and the posts and the likes and the rest of your unique digital fingerprint. Each and every one of you, we boiled your every desire and want and instinct down to its very essence. We gazed upon the hidden heart of humanity itself and inscribed in your very being, hidden even from yourselves, was the same phrase repeated over and over again, forever, across cultures and time. And this is what we heard. Make me young! Make me young! Make me young! My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? Fine. Lori's fine. Tonight is Tuesday, February 15th. 
2022. Recording on a Tuesday tonight because last night was Valentine's Day, so Lori and I That's had not it. big plans. Bob fell asleep on the couch. It was like 8.55. Watching the Olympics. <laughs> fell asleep watching the the women do their snowboard thing down the mountain. With his computer on his lap. You've been just right to sleep. Not doing the only thing I asked him to do for Valentine's Day, <laughs> which was get my money from the state of Virginia from last year's tax returns. Yeah. I don't like to work on holidays, <laughs> so I didn't do that. <laughs> I'm so uh, out of the loop on uh, Valentine's Day. Like over the weekend, I walked into my local Kroger and this entire section of just balloons and like flowers. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is like Chinese New Year's or like what? I, I just. Yep, that's it. <laughs> couldn't piece it together until I saw the signage. I was like, oh, that thing is happening. The, yeah, but, but I don't know how, how everyone right. feels. There were way too many balloons. We don't have that many customers. Uh, I, I don't know if they sold them all, but there were way too many <laughs> balloons. Should have gone in today and gotten all those Valentine's <laughs> balloons on clearance. Would they hold for a year? Like, would they just no. deflate? <laughs> anyway, yeah, we didn't record last night. I was feeling tired. Is the Bob had to write that piece of whatever that was. Hey, so. did you did you watch the Super Bowl, Abe? I did for like ninety nine percent of it. I missed uh, the Rock opening. This, the event, but I did watch everything. You else. and like 112 million other Americans, crazy according number. to the numbers. Yeah, it, initially I thought it was 100, then I saw another report that said it was when you add up all the streaming and all the other nonsense, it was like close to 112. Those are people who missed The Rock. For no, just people who watched the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, people... the way you framed that was very misleading. Right, and. What's yeah. interesting is that it wasn't like a particularly compelling Super Bowl. It was odd in the fact that there were so few penalties called until there were too many penalties called and for the wrong reasons at the end. Uh, that was a sneaky bad game. Like yeah. sometimes there are, there are sneaky good games, but that was a game that was close throughout and was just a total dud in retrospect. Like right. it wasn't a very exciting, the third and fourth quarters basically seemed to be an endless series of stalled drives resulting in punts followed by some excitement in the end you know so many just stalled drives especially with the rams I was like i mean i didn't really have it was when odell beckham got hurt that was a bummer yeah and it looked obvious immediately whenever people do the weird thing with the leg the the no contact yeah. leg yeah. shuffle yeah and you're just toast the Rams, it was like watching the Georgia offense back in midseason when Kirby's like, nope, we're going to run it up the gut right. 15 fucking times out of the next 20 plays, and it's just what we're going to keep doing to establish the run. Right. And it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> and then you get to the last five minutes of the game, and it's like, okay, I guess we got to throw the ball now. And then the offense all of a sudden starts working. It's like, ah, maybe we should have been doing this all along. See, this is why I don't understand why no spouse of a head coach, they don't like, oh, 18-hour days for up the middle again. Like, you're gone for, like, <laughs> right. all this time to come up with all this innovative shit, and you do nothing with it. But it looked, it appeared that, I mean, I I, I didn't have any rooting interest. I wanted uh, Stafford and, and, and Michelle to win and Floyd, I guess. Uh, but I didn't really care that much. Uh, but it appeared that things were kind of falling apart for the Rams until things started falling apart for the Bengals because... Burrow was going to almost die. If there was like a fifth quarter, he would have like not survived it. He got sacked I don't know how many times. 
getting sacked like crazy, and yet still they had a chance to tie or win that game in the last two minutes. It's third and one with, I mean, third and less than one, really, I think. Yeah. And they decide to sort of run the ball up the middle with their third string running back for some reason. That doesn't work. They go to fourth and inches, and they just drop back into a straight pass against the best defensive front in football. Yes. Like, a team that has sacked you seven or eight times or something already to this point in the game, and you're just going to drop, do a four-step drop and hope that the line holds on the last play of the game? It's very strange and play it, calling there at the and end. And obviously it did not. I didn't see the play, but some I saw some stills the day after where it appears that there was a receiver that was going to be wide open. If if Burrow or if that offensive line held for like two, like a second or two longer, they could have scored a touchdown on it. Yeah, but Aaron, Aaron Donald did not let that happen. He seemed to have decided like in, in classic great player fashion he just decided to do the thing there at the end of the game and it worked out yeah happy for him. he seemed genuinely just flabbergasted with sheer joy at having won so that was nice to see yeah that was nice and uh and Stafford of course I wanted Stafford to win because I don't know, like Stafford's a fine NFL quarterback he's not great but I, I get very weary of people dumping on Matthew Stafford as though he's just been a bum this entire time who just racks up stats like he's been you can't say he's been worse than Matt Ryan right, I mean, he, they, right. they have incredibly similar careers whereas Ryan was on much much better teams through the years and yeah Stafford I saw the one surprising stat, he put together, I think the number is 42 game-winning drives, which puts him in the top 10, along with Matt Ryan, actually, right. across a very similar uh, period of time. 42 game-winning drives on a Detroit Lions team that has just sucked for decades. Yes. And they still is, suck. Is, yeah, and they do, in fact, still suck. I'll still be mad at him forever for leaving us the way he did. Yeah, I, I don't understand you're your mad at Matt Stafford because it was that was the year there was six and six the year after no i know that they were bad the year after that that's why but he left and became the number one overall pick and when you have the opportunity to do that you do that i think my only real interaction with matt stafford came a week or two after a particularly bad loss to tennessee and i was closing papa john's on baxter street that night and it was like a wednesday or a thursday night and it was probably 3.30 or 4 in the morning, and we had been closed for a little while already. And the phone rings, say, you know, thanks for calling Pop Johns. I'm sorry we're closed. And the voice on the other end starts to place an order, like we're, we need blah, 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 pizzas to blah, blah, blah. Totally place. disregarding your Completely ignore. Yeah, uh, the classic late night answer, right. complete disregard of what sure I just said. Are you sure it wasn't a Monday night? Oh, here we go. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who calls that late on a Tuesday or Wednesday? Or Wednesday right it now? might have been a Monday night. That's perfectly plausible. Why? No reason. <laughs> Don't believe her lies. Uh, anyway, so we're shutting the place down. The person ignores what I said. They start placing the order. And I was like, no, 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 I'm sorry. We closed a little while ago. And the voice on the other end of the phone said, this is a, a young female's voice. I don't know that it was the eventual Kelly Stafford, the, the wife, the, the, because they were dating back then. Right. The, the cheerleader, Kelly, 
and the the star quarterback How stereotypical. Matt Stafford. Yeah. It might have just been some other random uh blonde sounding floozy uh, on the phone with me. Do people me. sound it's, blonde? <laughs> so <I> just <laughs> Oh, they sure do, Abe. They do. <laughs> she said uh matt stafford wants a pizza oh my god that's not okay so here's the thing when in the day you told me this story like the day after right? the day after you didn't sound like that and i believe the you of the past okay so how did how did maybe kelly maybe did, not kelly did, stafford how sound did you on the phone? relay the story to me please um it's for matt stafford so she was very polite in the way that you're saying it. Not quite so valley girl. Not quite so entitled, but just like casting that fish hook. Maybe that it's for Matt Stafford. Right. To which to which I replied something like, well, if Matt Stafford wants a pizza an hour after close, he can stop throwing the game away oh. against Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> And that was that was the full extent of my. No, it wasn't. I know that I delivered him pizza. No, no, no. What happened after that? I don't remember. You'll have to tell. You got me. a call back. Did I? Yeah, you got a call back. You hung up and then got a call back from a much deeper voice saying, "What did you say about That's Matthew?" Right. He said, "What the fuck did you say about Matthew?" <laughs> I remember that. What no, that Matthew or uh, one of his? That was not friends. Matthew. Probably, that was probably not. Yeah. Also, not, not a blonde. Uh, <laughs> That was one of one of George's larger players is what it sounded like to me on the phone. I'm curious to know if that actually works, because that that would have been no. It it might work sometimes, but the ovens were off. Right, Right. it would have worked if it if it had been 20 minutes after close, and you know they they just won. Yeah, and they had won against Tennessee the but week then, before. But then, what happened after that? We fucking beat Florida, right? That's right. I took full credit uh, moving forward for having insulted Matthew Stafford and not not giving him a pizza after close. <laughs> really, one night. this was all about late night pizza the whole time. <laughs> I motivated him, and now he's a Super Bowl champion. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, Stetson Bennett's future wife uh, pulled the same thing after he brought the national title? Because at that point, almost, you'd have to give him a pizza. Almost certainly a pizza thing. Yeah, what? yeah. Got to give him a pizza. Yeah. I have a funny story that was relayed to me by a client of mine back then. A couple years later, she said she was hanging out with a friend of hers at her apartment, and the subject of the football season came up. And the client of mine said something along the lines of, like, Yeah, but our quarterback sucks. And the guy in the room was Aaron Murray. Oh. And he just sort of said, I'm I'm that. I'm the I'm I'm it's me. And then look what happened with Aaron Murray. Sometimes you gotta hear some shit. That's right. From some people in order to be successful. Look at Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Adversity. Pass it Life's on. hard. Yeah. Life's hard. Yep. <laughs> also, it's I not know all, that this it's is... not all late night pizzas delivered after close. <laughs> I know this is a podcast, Ooh. but I made cake pops, and and they're really impressive. Lori's very very proud of her Rams and Bengals themed cake pops. They're really they're, nice. They're really good. Yeah, they look good and they taste even better. I'm gonna eat them now. <laughs> Maybe I'll maybe I'll put a picture of them up on the on the website at brainiron.com. But yeah, aside from the game, uh, not to belabor the point of my opening essay there, 
Uh, did you watch the commercials? You know, I, every Super Bowl, I try to watch some of the commercials because, like, oh, they spent all this money. Or I'd be rude not to. But I always tune it out because I'm usually watching with somebody else, and that's, like, when you can just shoot the shit. And so I generally right. – I, I, I caught a couple of them, you know, some of the movies that are coming out. Um, but I didn't notice anything. Was was there anything that stood out? Because every year there's well, always something. That QR something, code but, one. The QR code one. So, yeah, I mean, and I think that recently and also in my entire life history, I've disparaged the utility of advertising, right? I'm like, this can't possibly work. None of all of this is bogus. It's all a house of cards. It's all going to fall apart someday. Except that, uh, sort of like the money system, where like if you explain money to someone, you're like, well, that can't possibly work. Right. Like it, it requires way too many people to buy into something that doesn't make any fucking sense. And the least bit of sort of shaking of the faith seems like it's going to collapse the whole thing. It's like the same sort of thing is with advertising. Like so much of our entire economy is wrapped up in and and our content economy and and our digital economy it's all predicated upon this model succeeding right so there are way almost too many interested parties in maintaining the fiction so it's almost certainly never really going to go away it and it keeps going up i mean no, i mean the super bowl is a an outlier especially these days where it's just such a fractured ecosystem but like with money like Everybody is invested in it having value, right? So that's how the right. the scheme is propped up. Every, you know, you, you want to make sure that it's, everybody believes in it, right? With the right. advertisement, it's basically keeping up with the Joneses almost. Like you, you don't want to seed ground, even though this is bullshit. It's almost like fashion. You have to like constantly keep up with this. Let's change this and that just to kind of be on the scene. And so I imagine... This year was they said upwards of seven million for a thirty second spot. Next year, what seven two seven point two and so on. Like twenty years ago, they would make a big show about oh my god they're paying three million for a spot, and right. it has gone and up every year. So for all of my skepticism about the the utility of of the whole thing, I don't hold that view when it comes to the Super Bowl because you look at the numbers and. Uh, a hundred plus million Americans tuned in. We're all sitting around the television. And yeah, half of us are fucking off to get some nachos or take a piss at the commercial break. Right. But there's just not another event anywhere in the culture yes. that even comes close. Right. So if you can put your stupid brand in front of that many people all at once, and you have the added benefit of the fact that because we're all so invested in this working uh, from the marketing assholes all the way on down, we're all going to fucking talk about them later, right? Even yeah. the ones that suck or don't work or are largely forgettable, they're going to go on a list of like I mean, there are forgettable still Super Bowl commercials. There are people who watch the Super Bowl right. for the commercials. Right, and the most read, if you go to any of the culture sites or news sites this week and you find the, the panel that says most read stories, they're all Slate reacts to the Super Bowl commercials or AV Club runs down all of the Super Bowl commercials that you missed or whatever. Did any like it, commercial stand out did, uh, or get a lot of traction in the aftermath of the Super Bowl? They're like, oh, that commercial, da 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 da. Because one of the commercials I did see was the Google Pixel, like, hey, we could take pictures of black people really well uh, commercial. Right. And I was like, yeah, oh. Yeah, that, that one was offensive for me because I'm very pale and I look pale. Yeah. So. I would like something to fix that. Right. But 
when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is probably, you know, the yokels will be upset and the other people will be very happy and it'll, you know, be a lot of uh, internet uh, engagement over it. But I, I didn't see anything on that either. The meta one was very weird to me because <laughs> if if you manage to listen to and and I don't blame you if you plus 30 second me through the opening essays half the time, I'm, <laughs> I'm not mad at all. How dare you if but you did <laughs> If you did that, or if you didn't and you just couldn't make heads or tails what I was saying, I was basically just summarizing what the what the commercial was. Like it was a very strange commercial where Facebook is basically saying, like everything sucks now. It's true. Uh, but it used to be cool. It used to be fun. And we could go back to that with this headset that you wear and you walk around as a headless torso or as a, a uh, legless torso interacting with all of the other legless torsos that you used to share the meat space with. I must I must have missed that, but I've I've read about Meta and this stupid thing where they're trying to get this uh, virtual reality thing uh, off the ground. What I don't get is who I'm sure I've said this a million times before. Who is into this? Like I think companies like Facebook and and Google they kind of caught the wave at the right time. Like lightning in a bottle, like Google came up with a unlimited, almost unlimited storage with the email and they kind of took off. But a lot of their other things didn't really pan out. They, they've made so many different apps that didn't go anywhere, weren't they? The Google Plus people. You can't just, because you did one thing, you can do something else, right? Um, and Facebook, they ca caught the wave at the right time, the right technology. Uh, the right place, right time, and now they they think they can will some other thing into happening instead of just capturing it if it naturally comes into place, right? And so this is something that people will have to want. They can't just make this happen. And it, at least to me, I'm not some fashion forward person, but to me, it looks like a terrible fucking product. Right. It's not enough that, so it's because they bought Oculus a few years, right? And that, by the way, the way that they quote unquote innovate is just to buy up things yeah. that they think are going to be popular sometime down the line. And when they can't buy it up, they just steal from their nearest competitor right. and stick it in their current products. Like the Facebook couldn't compete with Instagram, so they bought Instagram. And then anytime Snap and then Snapchat happens, and so they put all of the Snapchat features into Instagram yeah. in the hopes that people won't go away. And then they do the same thing. Like YouTube is is trying to ape TikTok with their little shorts feature that they have. Oh, that's what they're doing. I was wondering what that was about. Yeah. But you're right. It is but, these these big companies have found a lot more success just poaching successful but smaller companies by just throwing money at it. But Isn't like when that they always do, been the case. What's that? Isn't that like what people said Microsoft did? Yeah, I, I, didn't Microsoft buy some gaming thing like just the other month? They seem like that seems to be the way. Like I you, just mean like back in the nineties. Yeah, I remember the joke being that like Microsoft just buys everything good, and that's why Microsoft is what Microsoft right. yeah, is. Yeah, well, Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard, yeah. which is the that's it. The people who do the World of Warcraft and are they also Call of Duty. I don't know. They do a bunch of games. The the only practical application I see with the VR stuff is very limited, so I'm sure they're not going to go this direction. But if they had it to where you can put on a thing and you can, if you're in a new town or a new location, if you want to kind of figure out the lay of the land somewhere, you can kind of put it on like, okay, this is where this is, this is where that is. And then the next day when you're going there, you know exactly, oh, there's 
That would be cool. You know, but that's a very limited kind of thing for practical yeah. purposes. So they want to People expand. would use that all the time though. Yeah. People use Google Maps for they use it they don't go anywhere without Google right. Maps. What is what is the good that that Oculus or whatever Meta Facebook product is going to come out that I can't that I don't already have an oh, aug- don't augmented have an reality with Google right. Maps that like overlays all of the information that I need if I'm in a new place like I, I just have no use for it as far as I can tell and so like Meta is you know Facebook buys Oculus a few years ago and that's interesting it's like oh maybe we'll get a cool like it'll be a that'll be the future of gaming in right. some way is like that that could also work there'll be some fun virtual reality games. What I didn't expect was like this is the their big pivot, like their big plan long term, is to basically transition their three billion Facebook users and Instagram users into the metaverse uh, using the Oculus technology. And I just I don't see it happening. I don't. No, I just won't do that. Anything that nothing about that commercial appeals to me. And and like granted, like nostalgia is a hell of a drug, and. It, you don't have to just point it to Facebook or Meta to understand that everything about this Super Bowl yes. <laughs> uh, outside of the football was just an attempt to appeal to like almost precisely our demographic. That is right? yes. literally what I was saying to all the friends that were watching. I was like, I initially thought, oh, remember when the boob came out uh, with J- Timberlake and uh, Janet Jackson? And then they were like, only old fuddy-duddy acts, very safe. We're not going to do any young yeah. stuff. And I'm like, they're finally getting back to young stuff. And as evidence, but I'm they, pointing wait, to 50-year-old Snoop Dogg. you say that, but Shaki- like, they had dog. young stuff. It was just too young. Right. It was bullshit for so long. They had Lady Gaga, which was fine. But they had Beyonce, and they had fucking Maroon 5 right. and Coldplay for some reason. Like, But that's not us either. This was for us. And so were the commercials. And earlier in the day, there was a commercial that started with the Be My Lover song. And I told Bob to shut up. I was like, listen to this. And Bob said, how does it feel being the target market? And then later in the day... In the Super Bowl, that Austin Powers commercial, I look over at Bob and he's just smiling like an idiot, like because he's the fucking target market too. <laughs> Which is weird because what they say, you know, that eighteen to thirty-four, once you clear the mid-thirties, your interests harden. Like you, you know, I'm gonna yep. get the same tooth, whatever, and the same car, whatever. And so it's interesting that they're still kind of catering to. Well, and we have purchasing power now. Right. right. That's all it and is. What if, what we if, are the ones with the money. Right. What if we're a generation that has gotten married and had fewer children than like any other generation That's in true. recent American history? Yeah. And therefore, we've got this giant pile of money that must be catered to moving forward. Uh, Do you think on, on the meta front, uh, there are a couple of troubling signs that came about? Like, you know, so apparently... Apple's privacy changes where it asks people if they want to be tracked or not has hurt uh, Facebook's business model. Uh, I think they said upwards of $10 billion that it's going to cost them because a lot of people are choosing not to be tracked. Uh, that and I think for the first time in their history, they don't have mo- a net gain of subscribers. Like they're kind of either stalled or they're heading in the wrong direction. They're losing ground. So maybe they're thinking... Let's pivot into this other thing. The only way that this other thing is in any way viable is if Facebook or Meta or that Android Zuckerberg, if they know that they have some inside intel that 
the earth is going to be a wasteland and, and people can be hanging out in person in the near future. And so like, let's get ahead of that and get people comfortable into doing this virtual stuff. Right. The question is, would you put it past Mark Zuckerberg to engineer the next <laughs> bioweapon virus and, and release it upon humanity just to save his stupid fucking company? And at this point, I wouldn't put Not it really. past him. That's true. That's, uh, it, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm usually optimistic, but I can't rule that out as a possibility. Because he can get desperate. Like, I'm used to this life, you know? I can't go back to mere billions. It wasn't just Facebook, though. It seemed like... Yeah, GE was talking straight to you. Not GE, GM. Oh, GM. That was the uh, the Austin Powers thing. Mm. Well, I thought it was GE, so they've failed. One of the best received commercials of the night was the uh, Sopranos, yeah, the remake of the opening credits of I the Sopranos. I watched that twice because the TV in the kitchen was a few seconds behind, oh, nice. so I watched it in the living room Not and then went into the seconds. kitchen. I, I a full commercial, it was a, a full, full commercial minute. behind. It was a full minute behind our. It, so we're watching it. On the over-the-air broadcast, oh, the, the digital gotcha. TV antenna in the living room to get the... Again, my obsession with physical media also extends to if you are a person who owns one of these fancy televisions, this is a public service announcement by, by your friendly neighborhood podcast host, you have one of these fancy 4K or 1080p uh, high-definition televisions, and then what you're doing is you're plugging your Roku or your Chromecast or your cable box, whatever you have, you're plugging that into that machine, which is capable of displaying a crisp and beautiful HD picture. And all you're getting is at, at, at one end of the pipe, they're jamming all of this information down into a tiny little straw. Right. And it goes all the way down. And then it, your television has to reinterpret all of that information back out of that tiny little straw and then display it on your television. If instead what you do is you get a, a digital antenna for like $40 and you just hook that up to the back of your television and then hang it on your wall. If you don't live out in the fucking boonies, you can probably get a fair number of broadcast channels, including all of the major networks and like 11 different PBSs. That's one thing that you discover when you plug in your digital antenna is that there's not just one PBS channel uh, in your area. There are like 47 for some reason. Yeah. Not clear why. Never really clear why. <laughs> because sometimes you want to watch Wild Kratts, and sometimes you want to watch Splash and Bubbles, and sometimes you want to watch. Yeah, three of them are Daniel always Tyler. showing children's programming for some reason. <laughs> it is ten forty-five at night, and you can turn on Curious George for some reason on PBS. Anyway, uh, that is an uncompressed uh, digital signal that that you're getting at the same fidelity that the the people on the other end are putting out. So if it's like if it's shitty. Uh, NBC, which neglected to broadcast the game in 4K for some reason, they didn't even send 4K cameras. Uh, a, a, a shitty, relatively shitty product that we got out of NBC this week. But at least we got a they were full... busy with the Olympics. OMG! Yeah, once in a lifetime. I'd love to see the ratings plummet between. <laughs> Here's uh, the Super Bowl. So we go from the Super Bowl. <laughs> we can get off this high horse of mine about about. Plugging. Anyway, the, to wrap that up, you watch. Just watch you, you can, TV you can how watch you want. the beautiful uncompressed signal, and it, it, especially with sports, it really fucking matters. Like the the signal that you're getting is degraded when you watch it on streaming. You can see the goofy pixels happen half the time, even if you have a good yeah. 
No, like that's a, true. A fiber yeah. connection. Like it's just not as good. Do you think? And the motion blur. The motion blur is much worse on streaming than it is when you're getting a, a true HD signal, which you can get do you for th- free by plugging in an antenna. Do you think people had pa- bad experiences with the? rabbit ears in the past and they think it's still the same crummy kind of thing and they don't want to deal with it i think people just don't most people don't have a digital antenna right but if what if they because because you don't because why you don't don't need need it it. i pay for cable or i pay for the youtube tv or whatever Well, maybe there's a marketing issue here you know i know you you don't think highly of marketing what if they called it organic television you know do you think people would jump on it to say (laughs) oh this is totally clean no one they don't care Right, no because I mean, but the picture is better if you walked into a room and they had. Yes, but that improves your life, not the life of the people selling the product. Right, and and most importantly, for gambling purposes, it gives you a truly live feed <laughs> right. of the game that's happening, not a game that's a like last night that game even with our fiber internet connection, it was like fifty five seconds behind on YouTube. Like that sucks. Did you like the? Uh, comp- the new graphic that NBC rolled out for the Super Bowl? No, I did not. I thought I it liked, was the only thing I liked was the flag. I liked the like a button in the middle, oh, the button like in it the, would yeah. illuminate when there was. I liked that, but it was too big. I agree with Bob. It's too big. It's dominating way too much of the bottom part of your screen. It's way- you know what was not too big was the sound on the halftime show. It was too quiet. That's yeah. And I this has been a problem for years. Even when I hate the music. It's not loud enough. Right. Also, why... uh, (laughs) It's what... You go to your favorite... You go to your least favorite restaurant. Yeah. I'm a Woody Allen movie. Nice to meet you. It's not loud enough. I shouldn't have to turn my speakers up to like 50 from normal 13 to to hear the music loud. Yeah. I'm surprised. They probably should like spread out the acts because there were so many people that were like, oh, I only got like three verses before we got to move on to the other... That's how they always are. It's the best. This is, I mean, usually, hear what, a whole it's song. three, maybe? This was like 11. Everybody was just doing a thing. Let it breathe a little. Yeah, a halftime show that, like the commercials, was targeted directly yes. at our, like, 18 to 22-year-old brains from 20 years ago. Also, I asked all the young people, and they totally know In the Club by 50 Cent. Right. Like, Bob thinks that they don't know that song. No, it's no, I'm not saying that they don't know that song. song. I, was, I was simply pointing out that, in my opinion... Uh, the 50 song, the, the It's My Birthday song by 50 Cent, is not at the same level of cultural import as fucking California, as uh, Forgot About Dre. California as- Love? I think that the, I will ask, because I have access to these people, but I think that they're not going to know Forgot About Dre as well as they'll know In the Club. Yeah, that, yeah I don't know. That In I the Club thing got a lot know. of uh, thing par- surprising stamp. In the club bum, is a stupid bum, song. Bum, bum, it was a stupid bum, song then. Bum. It's a stupid song it's now. It's a different conversation. Bum, 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 <laughs> right, right. Bum, but that bum. aside, I don't think it's controversial to suggest that the other songs played during that halftime show are like "Lose Yourself" is a yeah. That was a say what you will about the quality of the song. That was a culturally relevant, like across all portions of the culture, sort of song in a way that in the club feels more like i don't know like they You're played just it on wrong. they played it's it on fine. vh1 a bunch i guess no 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 like, it was it's played in the club and it, just like we always talk about with like songs that you play at your wedding like they're always going to play that that's one of those songs yeah, I they guess. played it at the fucking super bowl for example yeah it's 
that's an, an example of be begging the question, what you've done there with that argument. But it's neither here nor there. The other thing about the commercials seemed to be the fixation on crypto. Yes, a lot of there that. Lame. A number of different crypto commercials. I didn't... I. I liked the Larry David one. I thought that was funny. I liked the QR code one, but I didn't fall for it because I'm not a stupid idiot. <laughs> I mean, I scanned, I scanned the QR code. Lori's calling me a stupid idiot. I wanted to, I wanted to do the thing. Felt like a 12 year old boy just buying in. Marketing doesn't work. What commercials don't work? Hey, here's my phone. Take <laughs> I mean, my phone. I Here already, I am. I already have Coinbase on my phone, so I don't know what. The, what uh, what happened know. when you uh, follow their instructions? I don't know, it just gives you a, they're like, sign up for Coinbase, we'll give you $15 in free crypto or something oh. like that. Yeah. Nice. The crypto stuff is, was, it's compared to a lot of the, like 20 years ago, the, the pets.com ads yeah. and all of the other dot-com ads that dominated the Super Bowl back in 1999, 2000. And I think that it's uh, profoundly different and worse, actually, because <laughs> what you're seeing with all of this crypto stuff, and there's a... A piece that I read today saying, essentially, it's time to get used to uh, the conspicuous consumption of all of these crypto weirdos. Like, it's not going to just stop with NFTs where people are unhappy with the fact or, or weirded out by the fact that somebody sells an, uh, the Bored Ape Yacht Club ape for uh, $34 million or what have you. Like, what, you, what, you're, what you're not understanding is that a staggering amount of wealth has been created in the last few years, and it's in a stunningly small amount of hands. Yes. And they have they have to put it somewhere, right? While it has its current value, they have to do something with it. And so you're going to see many more examples of what's going on uh, with this the NFT craze over the last uh, couple of years. Like, does anybody really think? That short clips of LeBron doing uh, wicked cool shit on the NBA court in highlight form is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars? No. Nobody actually thinks that. That's insane. Right. It's available for free on, on 11 different apps on your phone and computer. But I suspect that uh, on that front, it is worth something and the price will settle down at some point, right? Right, but the point is that people have these giant sums of money, and so the more that they can do to inflate the cost of all of these things, wh wh whatever they happen to be, right. then the more that they're going to be able to turn that money or that, that the crypto into actual money, and the more excited that they can get uh, the rest of us suckers about like and and the the total fear of missing out, like all of those crypto commercials are based on one thing only, right. and it's not like this is a uh, an interesting way of of debanking yourself from the evil monster mega corporation banks that have uh, ruined countless lives over the last two generations. None of none of that. It's all about you, dummy might be missing out on the chance to make millions and millions of dollars without having to do any work. So what are you waiting for? Get into crypto. Right. I, I've, I've always been of the opinion, uh, stick with the devil you know. Uh, but, you know, earlier I was saying uh, the reason why the whole money system, the regular money, works is because so many people, almost everybody, has bought into it having value. And it seems like all of these different cryptos are trying to artificially create that everybody thinks this had value and therefore it has value but there's just so many of them i i can't keep track every day that i look it's like something else crypto this crypto that crypto so at some point things will settle down and there'll be a couple that will emerge 
as being stable and a lot of people believe in it and it kind of and then maybe like you should have jumped on it early but i'm always uh suspicious when people are like hey you can make money jump jump on this thing it just sounds like a scam and so i've always just been like all right i'm just gonna stay away it is it is in fact a scam what we're what we're seeing is that 99 percent of all crypto is owned by something like 10% of crypto owners which means that they are in their their entire job right now is to convince as many people as possible that it's really really important to buy crypto from them yes. because they they hold this thing which is only valuable to the degree that they can turn it into actual money right, right? because none of these things appear to to be what was originally promised which was as a replacement currency, as a as a non-banking currency, the sort of thing that actually, if they were still trying to operate in something closer to good faith, you could argue would be entirely useful right now. For example, in Canada, where the prime minister has declared a, a, a state of emergency, applying some law that was amended back in the 80s that allows him to... Uh, essentially freeze all of the assets of anybody that he determines has been uh, acting in, in a terrorist way or disrupting the public good in some way. So there's a story about all the truckers outside of the, the capital there in Ottawa shutting down the bridge between the United States and Canada that across which is transported something like 25% of the total trade between the two countries, like the, just the physical back and forth that they shut down 25% of that just by shutting down that one bridge and Trudeau enacts this emergency uh, law that allows him to uh, freeze the banking activity of of the people that he chooses to freeze like that's a moment where you can say man it sure would be good if there was an unregulated space uh, free of the oligarchical banking system that would allow me to operate uh, freely. Right. I mean, if, if something would have to get big enough to where you can do that, I always, I know this comes across as naive, but I'm like, what's wrong with the current system? I get the money and I give it to somebody else and they give me something else and everything works. I guess, yeah, if I were a trucker in Canada, maybe uh, not. No, no surprise to me that the IRS <laughs> man here. That... It's a good system. <laughs> Happy to happy to shill for the current banking system also, over here. Also, I I really do think I need to start a consulting company for many different things. The the prime minister uh, of Canada fell right into the trap. Right, they were trying to draw them off sides by do overreacting. Right, they're doing you know like in football, they're like, oh, we're doing stuff, we're doing stuff. Perhaps you'll react, and then if you react, it's on you. Because if he did not do anything, it would basically be opinion was against the truckers because they were fucking people's you know money up and their their ability to go, move around those locations and they were about to start removing them and so now doing this what from a distance appears to be an over-the-top kind of thing like these guys are not terrorists right they're obnoxious idiots and perhaps they're being funded by right of center interest in America and blah, 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 blah. But you can deal with it without having to resort to this. But now this becomes the story, right? Nobody talks about the idiots that were kind of blocking other people from doing stuff. It's like he overreacted. So I just told him to stay right. the course, don't do anything, and then just ride the wave of public opinion to get them out. That would have been a better yeah. fix. I don't know that I want to or have to choose a side here. Also, but it does uh, seem what is the other side? I mean, of... Uh, 
overwhelming majority of Canadians are vaccinated, right? I don't even think there's like a big problem with the truckers even. Right. Well, but it's like it's the same thing that's going on here where any talk of mandates is both beside the point, probably not helpful, and also only exacerbates the middle finger to come up and tell you to fuck off and that I'm not going to do what you tell me. 90%, I think, is the number that I keep yeah. seeing. 90% of, of Canadian truckers are already vaccinated. Right. That's the win. Take the win. Right. It's done. Take the win. Why do we why do we insist on having a mandate that is only going to inflame political passions and arguably lead to violence? And, I mean, it's not not to excuse the right, violence, it, not to excuse right. any of the rest of it. But I just I don't understand the political utility of the mandate when you've already got such wide compliance. And, not, and the same goes for, for this country. Not not only that, maybe they didn't want to market it as a temporary mandate during the height of this problem. But like that was inevitable that when things kind of got better, whether that was a year in, two years in, three years in, whenever they would drop these rules. Right. And in some places they're already starting to just say, ah, whatever. We're not, 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 not going to enforce the mandate. Things are looking good. And the, 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 the outlook looks promising. And so many of us got it that, you know, will be fine, hopefully, right? But a lot of the you have to do this because of this is now kind of in some locations not the case. And so they could have just said, we're in a century, once in a century pandemic where we have to take these measures to make sure people are safe, reasonable accommodation to some respect, but we have to kind of insist that you comply, right? But then if you get to 90%, 95%, 98%, take the win. Don't bother with the others because it's not worth the headache. On the COVID front, we are here in Virginia. The uh, the state legislature and the governor have, I think today, might have been yesterday, Glenn Youngkin is going to sign a... No, he did. Today it's done. I ...piece think. of legislation. Well, he amended it, so it has to go back to mm. the House and the Senate where it's expected to pass because there aren't enough Democrats who are interested in holding this up. In fact, it's not anywhere near a majority, but a handful of Democrats across the state have assented to the idea that this should be, that the, the mask mandate in schools should be a question for uh, local control, and they're not going to stand in the way of making masking optional at the state level. And so Northam, the amendment I think today was... Not to Northam. Youngkin. Not Northam. Youngkin, the amendment today by Youngkin was to send it back to the House and the Senate saying that this is going to take effect uh, rather immediately, I think by like March 1st or something like Isn't that. Isn't this you know, close to basically what New Jersey's doing, right? Right. So New Jersey, New Jersey, I think when like first Phil, week Murphy, in March. Phil Murphy said last week, and he put like a three or four week timetable on it uh, for New Jersey. And of course, that's not enough for some people. They're like, well, if what, what's the what's the difference between now and and three weeks from now? Why don't we just do it now? Um, I mean the the, obviously- the projection, right? I mean, like unless again, this is with the caveat that unless there's an uptick, the numbers are falling right. off a cliff. Right. And Chris Christie was on the Sunday shows this weekend, or on on ABC where he does the Sunday show, and he was saying, "Oh, Phil Murphy sees yeah. a." I saw that. Uh, sees a focus group, and now he's decided that the the science has changed. It's like, well, that focus group happened. Like, it, it, and and I know that Christie's out there to dunk on people, right. and or specifically to dunk on Democrats. The focus group happened uh, after the election, right. which is 
during or shortly before the Omicron surge, right? Right. So he had all of this information for the last few months and is only now acting on it after the worst of the surge has passed. So it's a combination of both trying to give the people what they want, but at the same time recognizing the reality of the pandemic as we're all experiencing it. Um, and, and that's but, one thing I never understood. I mean, again, like you said, he's got a role to play, and that was his former job and blah, blah, blah. But isn't that what you want politicians to kind of be? Like, he survived this scare. He did the focus group and waited until the numbers got to a, an acceptable level, right? So, And he's still waiting. Like, he could have been— Right. Right. In a representative republic— right. Where you're supposed to represent the wishes of your constituency yeah. as best that you can and respond to their needs. Sometimes focus group and governing by the results of polls, at least let it inform the decisions yeah. that you're making. Because right? I suspect he's like, boy, I read the room wrong, right? Because a lot of these politicians, prob you know, they're in this bubble and they're insulated from any sort of like negative uh, uh, criticism. And so like the the election result, how close it was, because Virginia was supposed to be, you know, a tough race uh, because of the weak candidate. But, like, I don't think there was any talk about the New Jersey governor facing a challenge. And people were so pissed. And people on his side, too, like on the left, like the moderate left, were among those who were kind of didn't like the overly strict rules. And I'm not from New Jersey, but apparently they had overly strict rules. Uh and so he's like, okay, when the time is right, we will accommodate some of the concerns that you have in a responsible way. If it was a completely politically cynical way, he could have just done that like as soon as it ended or the other way, just said, fuck it, I won, so I got a four-year runway. They'll forget by then, right? I mean, there's a lot of right. cynical ways that they could have taken it. This seems to be the most like responsive to the concern that you could have done. This is what you want a politician to be. Right, and so... I was looking at a Facebook post by a friend and... Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. It's a good rule to live by. But she was like, it was a, in response to the fact that Virginia was going to pass this law saying that masking is, needs to be optional in schools and not at, the, not at the school board level or at the school level, but all the way down to the parental choice level, right? In response to that, which it must be said, if, the, if, if you can point at a reason why Youngkin beat McAuliffe, aside from McAuliffe being a terrible candidate and a, a boring, pointless retread of a candidate, it's a combination of factors, but largely, certainly, all polling suggests that it had a lot to do with the way that this state handled uh, COVID and the way that this state handled schools in response to the pandemic. And, and, and not in a favorable way, obviously. And so this person is complaining about the fact that this masking thing is going to become optional, it would seem, at the same time that children under five are not going to be permitted to get the vaccine anytime soon. An announcement from the, from the FDA and the CDC deciding that uh, they, they weren't going to look that they were going to look again at the numbers from Pfizer, but would not announce anytime soon that the youngest children were going to be able to get the vaccine. And she she painted this as an indictment of our stupid country, right? That that the the combination of the unmasking of school children and not being able to vaccinate children under five was a, an indictment of the way that this country has failed. 
And my reaction to that, which I didn't put on Facebook because it's not 2009 and I don't <laughs> feel the need to uh, to react directly to these things any longer. Instead, I just uh, speak them into a microphone would, and my personal podcast. Would, would you be more likely to respond to like comments in the VR universe? Like, hey, you there, that thing you said, let's talk about it with your <laughs> torso yeah. walking about. Uh, probably not. <laughs> Anyway, my response to that is like, what sort of a country do you want to live in if not one in which the politicians respond to the will of the fairly hardy majority of people and also the politicians don't insist that a bunch of two, three, and four-year-olds get a vaccine that has been proven to not be efficacious in stopping the virus for that age cohort. Right, and like, it seems like there's what, two separate issues, right? I mean, do, do they want the decision-making process just to be hurried or just to be overlooked and just say, rubber stamp it and say, give it to the under five? Like, what is it? Is it just like a, right, I'm complaining about if, the outcome and not the process necessarily? Yeah, just complaining about the world as it as it exists rather than it being as this person imagines that she wants it to be. And... I don't think that we talked about the, the Pfizer vaccine for children under five, but a couple of weeks ago, what happened was with no new evidence, Pfizer announced that they were going to seek approval from the FDA to give the shot to children under five. And, and when I say no new evidence, what I mean is that back in November or December, they announced their findings of a large-scale study where they had given a small dose of the vaccine, two doses, in fact. I think it was something like a 10% dose. Don't, don't hold me to those numbers. But it was a much smaller dose than they've been giving to adults, certainly, and also an even smaller dose than they gave to 5- to 12-year-olds. And a, a two-dose regimen of the vaccine at that smaller amount showed no impact whatsoever on generating an immune response in children under five. Just, it had no impact whatsoever. It had a very, very small impact on the very youngest, on, on the kids who were less than two. But on two, three, and four-year-olds, uh, there was no immune response to getting this vaccine. And what Pfizer decided was, we're going to uh, proceed with this same study and give these kids a third dose. But by the time we figure out whether or not that dose has any impact, if, if we can get approval for the first two doses, which don't seem to have any negative side effects, but also don't have any positive side effects, as far as we can tell, then people can start getting their kids vaccinated. And by the time we get the information, the, the data on the third dose, which hopefully will be positive, then people will just be able to uh, vax their kids right away, and they won't have to wait even further out. Right? So, the, so that was what Pfizer said that they were going to do. So they were projecting that the third one would be beneficial and since the first two though not beneficial they're not harmful and so they can lay the foundation of a an effective third dose that they're hoping the the data will back them up on it in the future right in the future so that so that eventually getting you, out in front of it yeah. getting out in front of it eventually you are three or four year old will be able to get a third dose, and that one will actually do the trick of of conferring some amount of immunity or defense against the virus. That seems uh, that makes sense. Basically, it's like they 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 adjusted the, the the amount too low, and they're like, oh, if we just tweak it up a little bit. I mean, and if you go up, and eventually it's going to have some impact, right? I mean, the 
the five to eleven year olds get like what a, a I don't even know what the half a dose. Right, but so but 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 the other thing that you have to factor in is the fact that like the virus has to have a considerable negative impact on the population that you're testing it on, right? right? Because there is so little risk to that particular age cohort, barring, of course, all of the the caveats about those who are immune compromised or otherwise have conditions that make them more susceptible to to serious disease. This may be too cynical a read. Do you think that I mean, the, the FDA and the CDC, they're not politicians and they should not be responding to the to the population. Uh, but do you think that they, they think, well, this is so, uh, there's no evidence of harm um, and we anticipate that there will be some benefit that once we te- tweak the, the dosage, this could be just like a safety blanket for the adults that are anxious and concerned about their young ones, right? And so, because... Right, so, but that was the thinking was... was- Two weeks ago, right? That 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 was as of two or three weeks ago, and then this past week, the FDA has decided that in fact we're we're going to shelve this idea entirely. That this this it turns out that this was we're just not going to do this right now. We'll we'll check back in six months or I something don't know, like that. I don't know if it was Gottlieb or someone else, but someone floated the idea that they could come up with a you could give it to your. Like it's not like a, a should like for everybody else. It's available. It's safe, and you should get it. It provides some protection. It's going to be presented as if the, the parent so wants. Fine, you could do it, right? And so, which I've never heard of. I, what kind of distinction is that? And also, isn't it still a global problem? I mean, you shouldn't be just giving random doses to people that could be better spent elsewhere, right? If there's, there's no yeah, harm to the child, I, I, I'm not sure that it's an issue, and I read something just today about that i can't remember specifically where i read it but somebody was saying something about how it's time to stop worrying or feeling guilty about americans getting their boosters or getting their third or fourth or fifth shots or however many we need because ultimately uh the people who want this shot it's it's available to them if they want it and it's we can't we can't force it onto everybody else. We can force it onto ourselves, right. apparently, but we can't force it on the rest of the world. Well, then I mean, it, it must cost something to the taxpayer, right? Like if it is like a, sh- it's not a sugar pill, but like if it's just like this thing you're doing just to do it, like what's the point? Why don't they just come out and just say like your kids are perfectly healthy? They're they stand, you know, there's there's no danger to them. I mean, they may get sick, but they, you know, kids get sick all the time, right? Right. I think we're in a we're in a position now where nobody wants to say nobody wants to be the person that says some of you may die. <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to say this is over and then next week when somebody dies, then the feeling is then that's on the person who said this is over, right? right? Nobody wants to take that level of responsibility. Uh at least on on one side of the political spectrum. Like, you know, DeSantis and and many other Conservative types are perfectly happy to live with this virus in a way that they don't feel that they are under any responsibility for the ongoing deaths. And I'm not saying that they ought to be. I'm just saying that those people, they will not be held accountable in a way that it seems like Democrats are afraid of being held accountable for future deaths. Well, that makes sense. Just in terms of what Democrats view government should do and what I mean, Republic, you know, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very basic level. Like liberal Democrat types think that governments should protect their citizens. And I don't know what Republicans think governments 
don't do anything, actually. Right, they're the, the problem, yeah. like, to get them out of the way. They just prosecute their citizens right. when they do things wrong? I don't yeah. know. Prose- <laughs> but I, I think that is true because there are, and it's weird how the risk assessment is so different, like, on on, on whichever side you are, like, on one camp, there are some people that, who are still concerned about, like, outdoor spread, right? And on the other side, people don't care at all. Even, like, when the numbers keep coming, I think there was another study that came out, and it said the if you're unvaccinated, it's, like, upwards of 90 times more likely to die than a boosted person, right? Um, right. But none of that information is going to sway anybody because your risk assessment is such that you don't you – know, not gonna happen to me it happened to my uncle it happened to, it's like, it doesn't matter who else around you it happens to it's like it's not gonna happen to me that's like the mindset and and like i said not to drop like a parallel but on the other side people are overly cautious to the point where it's like you, you know you're gonna be you're vax boosted when you're indoors you're a mask all of those things appropriate but like when you're out and about outside <laughs> you're fine you're gonna be fine right? right and we live in this insane bubble where she, the the Lady on Facebook who's dumping on our country because the under fives can't get vaccinated. Like, they're not vaccinating anybody under 12 in France. Like, yeah. I, we have been the most aggressive country in terms of vaccinating uh, the youngest among us against a virus that largely has been proven by all of the available data to have very, very minimal risk to uh, that particular age cohort. And we have we've vaccinated teens well before much of Europe was vaccinating teens vaccinating young children if we went and and started vaccinating under fives right now with the mrna vaccines we would be the only country on the planet currently doing that like we would be out of step with the rest of the world and that goes for the masking stuff too now yeah there are some european countries that have had uh mandatory masks for all school children in schools throughout the last like italy for example who, who got the worst of it up front i think had one of the uh, most severe masking regimes for children in schools. But there are other European countries that, that have none. I think it was at Denmark today. It basically announced uh, with with 100% support, practically, practical uh, political unanim- unanimity right. across the entire spectrum, said uh, in the last couple of days that we're just going back to normal, that we're just, we're just going to live our lives. By the way, a lot of headlines about that in multiple countries, all those Scandinavian-sounding countries... Uh, they're, they seem to all be like, or most of them are like north of 80% uh, vaccination. And it, when they say all, apparently it's not all. It's like all except, you know, public transport and like uh, some schools or like old geezer homes or whatever, which, right. you know, is sensible. But like that's not how all works. But, you know, that's how it's presented in the sure. news. But you're right. They are a lot of every day seems to be a, either a new country or, or a new state. That's saying, all right, either immediately or by March, sometime in March, we're going to do away with this, that, or the other. Uh, Coachella in April, they just announced that they're going to get rid of all of their rules that they had in place. Uh, No vax uh, proof, no no negative testing, no vaccine passports, no nothing for Coachella. Right. right? And so, like, it seems to be the way that everything is trending, oddly enough, in my city of Atlanta, even though our state has no requirement. I'm still under a mask mandate that hasn't gone. I guess they're waiting for something. I don't know. But it's just very weird. But I, I assume if things hold, it will be the case everywhere where they get rid of this. Who is? 
is it that decides that if I get COVID, I have to quarantine? Or if my kid gets COVID, I have to quarantine? Right. Yeah. That's, has that been sorted out anymore? Who decides that? Like, that's because that, my holding back yeah. on whatever getting back to normal means is exclusively couched in, I can't afford to take a surprise week that's off work. Tr- yeah. So, like, yeah. until I don't have to do that, I can't get this thing. Yes. Like, I'm not worried about being sick. I'm worried about not just the financial fallout from that, but like, what a fucking pain in the right. ass it would be to move all those people. Right. Like, yeah. it's gonna be a. It's gonna be that somebody has to decide. I don't know who. The, Someone has the, to decide the, that, the CDC, or I can't go back to normal. Right. The CDC basically has to decide. Asymptomatic people who are willing to mask are allowed to mingle. Yeah out in the world right. like that has to be made explicit by the relevant health authorities that like and that's what getting back to normal will be and i don't know if that's feasible it's certainly not feasible right now right. it seems insane to do right now but that the announcement which is why has it to seems be insane to stop wearing masks right now right. because as long as i have to be disrupted then so does everybody right. fucking else that is the, that is the the last disruptive thing to go i imagine because what is more likely to happen that they make a declaration that that is not needed, like what you say, Bob, or a don't ask, don't tell policy, which is very irresponsible, but it sounds like something that politicians do. That feels awful. Right. But I suspect that, that but that's feels what, awful. That's what the, don't put that on me. The vast majority of the population is already behaving right. in the don't ask, don't tell fashion, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> because if, if, if it's put to you that you have to miss a week or 10 days of work and it puts your personal finances in, in a dire situation that week, like we would be fine. It would suck, but we would be fine. But we are apparently, according to whatever goofy statistics you see, we're loaded. We've got a ton of money relative to the vast majority of the American population, which uh, uh, apparently has 80% stuff on sale at Costco. 80% 80 of Americans have, don't have a thousand dollars in the bank or something like that. That will never, not surprise me those studies always come out it's like how is that possible like you can't put like 500 or a thousand or 1500 together no not, they're just not, not keeping track of it fault. i would love to speak to all of them right it's not it's not i'm not blaming them they're saying there are so many people that are in those positions and then there's like a very small segment that are like let's go here let's fly there let's go to vegas let's go to coachella let's go a, a very a very small segment uh, wildly uh, overrepresented here on this podcast. Uh, anyway, I've so in terms of the, the the question of who gets to make these sorts of decisions, I think that it's incredibly important that they start being made and communicated by increasingly local authorities and. I've gotten in, so incredibly frustrated with the lack of communication from our school district about what the world, uh, what our little corner of the world might look like a month or three months or six months or a year from now, that I was, I was reduced to emailing my, the, the principal of my children's school this week. And I am not. Uh, every bone in my body says, "Don't be an activist." It says, "It says, do not." You're not being an activist. Emailing. I'm not being an activist, but I am like speaking up in a way that I I, I rebel against doing most of the time. And what it seems to me that most local authorities are happy to do 
even so so in our little Charlottesville bubble where we are in a, an incredibly bright blue dot in the middle of not just bright blue people are employed by medicine yeah. here sure it's it's not just liberal in politically it, it is we it, the whole thing is doctors and people who work for doctors and Fine. it's a it's a beacon. It's a major major hospital in the middle of nowhere. So we get all the bullshit. And you got to have a pretty high vaccination rate, I assume. Yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. But like just outside of yeah. here, not so yeah. much. Like people are sent oh, from the other hospitals to this hospital. Okay. Fine. That does not preclude the local school district. No, I'm not saying it does. I'm. It's just the. It's not just liberal. It's run by medicine. What I'm what I'm saying is that there needed to be an anticipation that what's happening this week with Glenn Youngkin and the state legislature saying we're going to make masks masks optional. We knew that back in the second week in November when he was elected that what was coming down the pike was going to be a change to the state level mandate and that that we should have been talked to as adults and said there are going to be changes and here's what we're thinking or here's where we're going or here are the changes that we expect to happen and there's been no communication whatsoever it's just a consistent enforcement of the same mandates that they put in place back in order to get everybody back in school which is the kids have to wear their masks all day they eat lunch outside if it's over 40 degrees uh, and when they eat inside, they're six feet away from one another. And if the mask is off, nobody's allowed to talk. So one of the private schools here just this week, um, private schools can do whatever they want. The private school here has now dropped the outdoor masking rule. Uh, so baby steps. Wow. Right. So they even have to wear their stupid masks out on the playground. And and it, does, it doesn't make any sense from any perspective. And not to mention the fact that kids do an incredibly shitty job of properly yes. wearing their masks. You put a, a KN95 mask on these children, which is as tight a fit as you can get, and I see them. I see them every day. 90% of them, they're not wearing it properly. Like, it's just, it's it's a Band-Aid over a gaping wound, except the wound isn't even bleeding, yeah. right? <laughs> because the thing, because there's just no, it's a weird combination of a completely pointless gesture that isn't actually solving, that wouldn't even be solving the problem because the, the problem actually uh, doesn't functionally exist in the way that we're pretending it does. But what I wanted, what I, what I wanted to get from the principal or from the school district or from somebody is for them to own the next few weeks in a way that matters, right? Because actually, I think that that is a, a, the only way forward is not for us as a, as a little blue enclave in the middle of a, of a red state or a purple state that currently has Republican leadership, that we are going to be forced to do the thing uh, from, from outside, right? Like, that's no way of actually coming together as a community, as a, as a small community, or, or as a, in terms of reuniting us into some sort of cohesive whole, where we are now, as a locality, being forced under the aegis of, of, a, of a power beyond our control to, to comply with orders that we don't like, right? Like, that is a way of escaping responsibility for... Or, or, or avoiding even the, the appearance of having any authority over your own situation. And that drives me nuts. It would be much better if the school district here 
when they recognized that the law was going to change uh, at the state level, got ahead of things and started talking about what our COVID off-ramp is going to look like, no matter what the governor decides to right. do, right? We're on the other side of it. You look at all of the charts. Virginia is just like everybody else. We've fallen off a cliff. Every state had that massive spike, and we're all falling off that cliff right now. It would have been better if we had known that when this thing falls off a cliff, that this is what it's going to look like over the course of the next three months as we decide that we don't, in fact, need to mask outside, that we will, we will, we will take this kind of like the Fed uh, deciding that they're, they're going to lower interest rates all the way to zero, yeah. and then they can't lower them any further than right. that, right? Like we've, we've, done, we've done this thing where we no longer have any tools in the toolbox, and if shit suddenly gets worse again after we haven't loosened any of these restrictions what the fuck are we going to do then yeah. we'll just feel that much more helpless then i don't so i don't know what it helps to pretend like they can just offload all of this authority and responsibility onto onto the governor and at the state level and not take any recognizable steps towards recognizing the fact that we're not in the same reality that we were in last month or six months ago or two years ago. But you say that, but our weekly average here in Charlottesville right now is 4849, which is the same as it was at the beginning of January. Like, yeah, we're on the other side, but that doesn't mean that nobody's got it. I'm not saying that nobody's got it. I'm saying that we are not in the midst of an emergency anymore. And if when you're not in the midst of an emergency, you cannot continue to use emergency powers. Sure. It just, they, it's they not they like we're where relevance. we were in November or before. Like, it's we're just not there yet. Right. And, like, on a graph, it's like, oh, look, it's so low. But, like, it's not as low as it should be. Okay, but— also, the argument that you're making is a complete non sequitur. And the reason it's a non sequitur is because kids wearing their masks outside in the playground has no impact whatsoever on whether or not graph goes up or graph goes down, right? The, the line went up despite all of the bullshit that we made our kids do for the last six months to keep them in school. Right. The line went up. It did the thing and it didn't help that our kids couldn't talk during lunch. Right. And I'm not saying that they're like irreparably harmed. I'm not saying that this is some unendurable trauma that they've had to do, but there's just no reason for it. And they are they are carrying the burden of something that doesn't make any sense to carry any longer. We know better now. They, they shouldn't be forced to continue to do a thing that doesn't have any impact on the real world, no matter how negative our current situation in the real world is. Right. I, I suspect it's as simple as they're waiting for some cover from national institutions. The CDC still hasn't changed their position. The federal agencies haven't said you can – get off this or that basically they're still pointing to the existing guidelines and even though like laurie said you know the numbers are coming down they're not down to an acceptable level yet a lot of these different states are anticipating that the trend will hold for the next two three four weeks and so maybe they're waiting until those two three four weeks before they actually do it would it hurt if they said that we're monitoring the uh the, the progress, you know, the downward trend, and, and we may have some new guidelines in the offing or something to where, like, hey, we're seeing the same numbers you are, but we're not, you know, something to, like, let you know that they're not asleep yeah, at the switch. Right. And so the response that I get from the principal, which I just got today, is, well, 
it looks like the governor and the state legislature are going to make it so that parents can choose whether or not their kids wear masks in, in school. So that's what getting back to normal will look like around here. It's like, well, then you've, you've done nothing except put all of this on right. me. Right. Because now what you're saying is that I have to own whether or not my kid is going to be the kid who takes the mask off first in the classroom. Right. right? Now it's now it now it's not just parents on the playground after school picking up their kids. It's which of these parents are on which side of this question. And we've offloaded all of this responsibility and all of the decision-making onto you. Meanwhile, the local authority says, if it was up to us, everyone would still be in masks. Right. So now we're making, we're, we're making social outliers and arguably creating outcasts out of the people who are going to decide that their kids shouldn't have to wear a mask in school anymore. Despite the fact that all of the available evidence says there's not a great reason for the water fountains to still be turned off, for your kid to wear a mask while he's running around on the playground during school. Like, none of it makes sense, but we're going to make you feel like some sort of weird social outcast if you step out of line anyway. Right. Maybe it's like the TSA, you know, like, no matter how many studies come out, how ineffective, like, taking your shoe off, shoes off or whatever it is that they have you doing, people kind of feel safe, like, oh, at least they're doing something. Maybe some people are like, oh, look at that. The fountain must be the culprit. They turned it off. Yeah, but what if you could choose to walk through TSA without taking your shoes off? Right. And you, <laughs> right? That would be great. And everybody, <laughs> and everybody up to had the passenger. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then and now everybody's looking at you because you're the asshole who wouldn't take off his it's shoes. Like, oh God. Well, or the other way. Or you're the kid who is wearing a mask. Because your parents make right. you, it could go either and way, and no one else is doing it. Yeah. Like it's both. You could be right, but we know how it's going to go in this right. town, which is that in yeah, this town, yeah, sure, in yeah. And then you go out to the county, and it'll be a different story, right. where it'll be the kids whose parents insist that they continue to wear the mask when ninety percent of the kids well, around. And them then, aren't. like a teacher client of mine said, they're not supposed to be mask police, but if you have parents who you know want their kids in a mask, and the kid won't fucking do it like what is the teacher right. supposed to do right. if, if it's like oh it's choice but like is, the kid won't do it but the parents want them to do it what are they supposed to do when they're supposed to make everyone feel welcome and accepted as teachers right. it sucks and, and, and they shouldn't that's why rules are good. They shouldn't uh, be a consideration, but humans are humans. I am almost sure that these local leaders have like four or five parents in mind. They're like, I'll never hear the end of it from that person if I take ownership of this decision. So the buck yep. will pass me and go to the parents. And I'll point to the governor. I'll point to any direction. And that those fuckers can leave me alone. The, they're probably considering that. They're not worried about the random Bob who's like, oh, sternly worded email. Like, oh, fuck this guy. It wasn't even stern. Yeah. <laughs> it was very nice. I just, I care neither for the decisions being made at such a far remove that you can't reasonably expect to have your voice heard in terms of not having your word followed, but having your word heard, right? It's largely unreasonable for me to think that either at the congressional level or at the state level, anything that I have to say is going to be uh, listened to or even heard. But at the same time, kicking that all the way back down the road to the individual parent is not a solution, right? Like the, the, the whole point... Not a good solution. Of what it, of, uh, <laughs> it's a solution. <laughs> sure. I just... 
the, the whole point of having small governments and local governments and local control of things is for us to work together yeah. as a community to understand what's going on around us and to and to so I can listen to the lunatic neighbor who thinks X, Y, and Z, and they can listen to me. And that then when we come to a decision, it's one that we came to collectively rather than uh, every man for himself bullshit. Right. I mean, broad mask usage is a public health kind of effort, and so kind of need the public to participate. If it's just like three people, what's the point? And there's a weird thing going on too with, with the – a lot of people on the left lately have been, or, or I, I can't even call them on the left because it's not the left. It's, it's the people who are continuing to insist that this is an ongoing public health emergency that we should be treating the same way that we were treating it back in March of 2020, right? There's a, there's a very small but vocal contingent of people out there who thinks that this is still the same exact emergency that it's always been and that any talk of like from like David Leonhart at the New York Times or the, the rest of like the Atlantic or the, the rest of the mainstream, what has been up to this point, fairly serious COVID hawks, any talk from that crowd of what getting back to normal looks like is greeted with utter disdain from people who think that this is still enough because 2,500 people a day just died yesterday, right? So, so nothing is fundamentally changed. Will we just accept endless, countless death? We just accept a million dead Americans every year uh, moving forward? I don't want to cast any aspersions towards the people who are making these claims. I imagine, though, that they their lives have been impacted too negatively and that they're not bearing the brunt of the decisions that are being... It seems like they're fine with wearing the mask. They're, they're not impacted in any other way. You know, their jobs are fine. They're working from home and they're doing fine, all right? And so, like, a, right. a lot of these measures that are being implemented are impacting negatively other people. And that's partially why some of them want to kind of at least make an attempt to get back to normal or at least on the path to normal. And that involves mental health too, right? It's not just like money and whatever. It's like some people, they don't, if they feel kind of unsettled by all this, I'm fine, but people seem to be unsettled by this whole thing. It's just not the world that I want to live in is the a world where we are all constantly policed by everyone around us uh, for infractions that don't make it any sense. It got better this summer. It'll get there again. Yeah. It'll be fine. Spring looks promising. Yeah. It like, it was, yeah, like it got better. It's going to be even better next time it gets better. It might get right. bad again I and then it'll get better again. Fine. And I would feel better just to tie it back in to the email to the principal. I would, I would just feel better if, there was a recognition of the fact at 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 a level that made sense to me, right? At 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 the lo the level of local authority, that uh, we are in this weird bubble in Charlottesville where nobody is ever talking about what it's what things are going to look like when this virus goes away, as though one day we'll just be able to turn it off. And it's it's strange to me that there's not any conversation at the local level about. Uh, what things might look like in three weeks or six weeks or six months. Like, how do you, how do you not have that conversation about when are we going to turn the water fountains Well, because then on? people get pissed off when you say three weeks and it's been three weeks and you said three weeks. It's like, yeah, we're not there yet. Sorry. You can't give people time frames. People are too stupid. 
there's never going to be a time when the pandemic is over. There's not a light switch where it just ends, right? right? We're going to be living with COVID, with, with the coronavirus for the foreseeable future. And I have seen no indication that anyone is willing, anyone is willing at any level of, of government or authority to take responsibility for what it looks like on the way right. down, right? And the only people who have have been the fucking shitty Republican, like the, the worst acting Republican governors who are just like, ah, it's fucking But you over. don't think, cares? Y- you, you don't find um, any, any sort of uh, comfort, I guess it's the wrong word, but like you have the... California governor, Nevada governor, New Jersey governor, then some northeastern yeah, governors. Yeah, and maybe I, maybe my feelings will change when it when it comes here. Right. There's just something about and, it's almost worse that Youngkin gets elected, and it it just seems like it gives an excuse to everybody around me in particular to just say, "Oh, well, that's what Youngkin's doing. That sucks, but that you know, that's just what he's right. doing. Nothing we can do." All right, before we go tonight, I want to talk about this story in New York Times. Uh, pastor resigns <laughs> after incorrectly performing thousands of baptisms. So the pastor of a Catholic church in Phoenix uh, screwed up one word in administering uh, baptisms over the course of the last two decades. He, he replaced the, there's an I, and he, he kept saying we, and apparently that has invalidated uh, many, many baptisms performed by Father Arango over the last 20 years. He would say, quote, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, rather than I baptize you, because of course the I in that case is the priest, uh, but also it is uh, God himself working through the priest, not through the collective, There's none of that bullshit in the Catholic Church, only the authority of the priest and, and the Lord speaking through the priest confers uh, the holy sacrament of baptism. So, <laughs> and uh, and it's not great. So th- this is such a, an amusing story because who came up with the sequence of words? It's not like God came down and said this, right? Some humans decided. Uh, that's exactly uh, what happened, actually, actually. Abe, that's exactly how it was determined. <laughs> also, a missed opportunity in his resignation, he wrote, I sincerely apologize. Come on, finish the drill. <laughs> <laughs> and and also, like, how does it make it? Could, could they not just show up tomorrow and they'll just do the words the right way? I mean, what's the big uh, hang-up? Uh, the hang-up is all of those poor souls who have been in purgatory or possibly even in hell uh, because this shitty-ass That's got to be a sitcom right there. How do you explain that? Well, there's been a little uh, hiccup here, apparently. <laughs> I, I wanted, I wanted it like, you read this story, and I wanted it to be an onion piece because I wanted them to then like, uh, reached in hell, <laughs> young, young Nathaniel, uh, whatever the fuck, uh, who lived a largely sinless life and died believing he was going to go to heaven, was upset to discover when he reached the pearly gates that. Uh, there was St. Peter, and he's laughing ruefully, saying, This isn't Nam, Nathaniel. There are rules. Down to hell you go, little boy. I, I get that uh, on earth they have to stay the course, but it's not helping the cause of the people in purgatory when uh, the church officials say part of what makes it valid is the words that are used. You know, So like, if there was like a someone that was willing to overlook it in heaven— 
this is not helping. They should just say it was meant well, and it should count. But better a botched baptism than a botched, you know, um, circumcision. I always say. That's right. It's not. It's a Jewish version of this with the rabbi who's just been cutting the tips off of little boys' penises like all the way down to the nub for the last twenty years. Nobody had the heart to tell him. By the way, th- this uh, great crime happened because somebody overheard or watched a video of the baptism, and they're like, "Wait a minute, what's with all of this we business?" It's I, right? Is that how it was sussed out? Like somebody listened and heard? Yes. That's a big fuck up, though. I got to say, and how do you, you do this over and over again? You're with an earshot of your coworkers, or I don't know what they're called, but like no one. How does yeah, nobody say anything? seriously. Why it's didn't anyone notice who's supposed to know? <laughs> Were they saying it like in Spanish or something? Was some, uh, there's something that doesn't make sense. Like how, this had to have been malicious. This can't be like a mistake. I think that times. there should be a Trinity clause in there where like this could be a good place for some adjustment where like the we, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and I all baptize you. If it was a a trivia question and I didn't know and I don't know, uh, 100%, 100% I would have went with we. Like, what do you mean? Of course it's we. It's not I. The guy is just a conduit for the Lord or whatever, right? Or some sort of the, scheme like that. The Diocese of Phoenix uh, published a lengthy uh, FAQ on uh, valid baptisms and whether or not this affected that, um, including, uh, does this affect my marriage? Uh, the The answer was... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is no clear answer. There are a number of variables when it comes to valid marriages, and the tribunal is here to help. If you were married after being baptized by Father Andres, please contact the tribunal at this oh. phone number or this— uh, But what are they, what is that phone number going to do? They don't know either. Couldn't the Pope sit on a chair somewhere and make a ruling? Isn't that how it works? And gets a hat. Yeah, I don't know. It would put, it would piss off the Catholic traditionalists for the Pope to come in and say, ah, all those baptisms actually so count. So really, so this is like these, the local. These, these are people who love rules, Abe. This is this is a whole thing. It's like the local school board thing around. again. Like, oh, I'm going to pass the buck to someone else that's fielding the the calls at in Phoenix or whatever. <laughs> What this means for you is if your baptism was invalid and you've received other sacraments, you may need to repeat some or all of those sacraments after you are validly baptized as well. Also, this affects do everything that comes con- after. Do I need to go to confession? No, but you do need to get your other sacraments resolved promptly. When you are baptized, your sins are forgiven and your soul is wiped clean! Exclamation point. Oh, those Catholics. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head over to brainiron.com. Opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Abe, you uh, make the movies lately? I uh, did the uh, the rough stretch continues. Uh, I went to go see Death on the Nile, which was serviceable. It wasn't as good as the Orient one, the express the train thingy. Oh, this was uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh as the the detective, the French detective yes. guy, right? He did a pretty uh, swell job. Uh, it also had Gal Gadot. There were too many lines for her, even though she got shanked uh, early on, and she she's not good at that. Like spoilers, she's, Abe. She's got her strengths, and there's the other guy, the the cannibal or whatever. Basically, this was a weird movie where no one like promoted it, like because. 
everybody was into some kind of trouble. There was like the the Black Panther actress who was like against vaccines. There's a guy who had the rape allegation. And so it was kind of a weird uh, pr- promotion for the movie, but it was fine. People got killed. It ended. What's the next good movie that comes out? The The Batman comes out the first week of That's March, right. right? The Batman comes out the first week of March. The uh, movie that I've been uh, laughing at and how ridiculous it was solely based on the trailer, which is Jennifer Lopez and uh, Owen Wilson, Marry Me. A preposterous right. premise. It looks atrocious. And it is at 58% Rotten Tomato, 93% audience score. It is shocking to me that it's at... Abe, the people have spoken. <laughs> There's no way. I'm almost compelled to see it now. There, if, if I had to guess, I thought it'd be in the teens as far as Rotten Tomatoes. How are you not going to see it? There are not enough movies that come out anymore for you to avoid seeing so, this if you plan on going to the movies every week. This speaks uh, poorly of me, but the movie that I was going to see soon was uh, uh, Liam Neeson's Black Light or Black Something. And that apparently is a truly garbage movie. It's at 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. And so what oh, do wow. I know? Um but basically, between now and the Batman is the 50th anniversary of The Godfather next week. And so we'll just watch that. Nice. We watched uh, yet another uh, Con it's Man a story. Con Man week uh, or Con Man month Ooh. on Netflix. Which one was so this? That's what we're watching. The fuck was it called? The Puppet Master? The Puppet Master was the name Something of like uh, this. It was a three episodes. It's maybe two hours and a half altogether. It was like an episode that was an hour, and then another half hour, and then another hour. What the, was, was it about puppets? What was it about? What was going on? Yes, it was about puppets. <laughs> so it's about this guy who, back in the '90s, when and this is in, happening in England at, at a college in England, this fella convinces his friends that he's an MI5 agent, like the equivalent of an FBI agent. You know how I know you're not an MI5 agent? It's because you told me you're an MI5 agent. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I know that you're not that. (laughs) This this guy is working as a bartender in this college town, and he convinces his buddy who comes and drinks with him at the bar uh, that he's a secret MI5 agent and that the buddy's roommate is secretly in the IRA and and that he and his girlfriend and his girlfriend's friend are all in danger because of their close association with this alleged uh, college student who is in the IRA and that they need to go on the run or else the IRA is going to kill them and their families. That's what happens back in the 90s, and it, this documentary jumps They're back They're literally on the run for 10 years. Oh, boy. He yeah. just keeps... He, he keeps, keeps the ruse people... going for a decade. Wow. <laughs> and has these people convinced that they need to just be funneling him all of their funds he and getting money like from their family? He makes it like his full-time job to be driving around the country with people thinking that they're being chased by whoever... When, like, all I can think, it's not like he's, as far as we know, it's not like he's living this lavish life off of these people. He's just on the run. So, like, just get a job. Yeah. What's the quality of life there? It just seems like so much more trouble than it's worth. And I understand that he's, like, a psychopath who gets off on it. It's just, like, it's not like the other one. With the guy the who tricks the girls into but, 
get because he's living this sweet the life. The Tinder swindler that, guy, right? Yeah. Boy. Right. Like that makes sense. Hardly any consequence for that guy. And he continued yeah. doing it. Well, same thing happened. So that's the end of the story with this. I don't know if you've heard of our last president. Right. Um, th- people do this their whole life and just get away with it yeah, and then get as, elected to the highest yeah. office. As long as you pretend like nothing that you're doing is wrong, it's really hard for us as a rules-oriented society to hold you accountable, That's true. apparently. And with the, the lesson here is that this... So this guy manages to hold his friends hostage, basically, for a decade uh, before they they get away. And he ends up going on trial and... He gets convicted, and then on appeal, it gets thrown out because, I mean, spoilers here, but he gets he gets released because he didn't actually physically coerce them. It was all just this weird psychological game that he was playing with them. And yeah, did he unfortunately ruin three lives? Yeah, sort of. But, you know, they all decided to have their lives ruined. And then fast forward to basically present day, and he's done the same exact game on some other lady uh, and cut off all contact with her family. And, and yeah, this is another person who's just a consenting adult who's chosen to indulge this man's fantasy it, in a way. But I mean, not to pick on the, these people, what, what, what's with the giving of the money to people you just met like three days ago? So, that, so there's the giving of the money is one side of it. But before that, they decided... That they're gonna go along with this thing, which, when I talk to people, like if I sense any amount of weird drama from a person, I'm like, "Ooh, yeah, you seem nice, yeah. and you can stay right over there, and we will never hang out ever, ever." Right. And some people like drama, and they're drawn to that kind of person. Yeah. So. He's probably tried this move on other people, yeah. and they're like, "You know how I know you're not an MI6 agent? Right. It's because you just told me." Right. Like, they're or just like, "Yeah, sure, buddy, I'll get right back to you on that." But like, he found people who would fall for it, and then once they fall for it, they're just that's it's become their reality. Yep. It's like Stockholm syndrome right. almost. No, it's a weird. It's a it's an entirely identity based thing. I think. I think that these are people who are like. Yes, I am the sort of person who the IRA would target. And also, I <laughs> is this weird? Yes, but I sort of get off on feeling like the whole world, that, that my whole world is so fraught and important that, that I'm, an, I'm a, a constant, I'm, I'm just the constant center of the entire world's attention and that they enjoy playing that fiction. It's like, I don't know, not to make it something it's not, but I think that in the coming years when you're always saying like uh the, the woke stuff it's just going to go away it's just going to fade sustainable, away. Yeah. 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 Maybe it will, Abe. Uh but in order for that to happen, people are going to have to be like uh yeah, maybe basing my entire personal identity around like my pronouns was a mistake. Right. Right. Like, they want it's going to But people want to admit going to, they won't admit that. I'll just kind of recede and you know like when remember uh in the nineties, there was like that uh, Joe Francis guy with like the flashing of the like that wouldn't happen these days, right? It would just come across as being very exploitative, right? But it used to be on Comedy Central all the time. Oh, what are you Joe Francis, about? yeah, the girl, uh, uh, whatever, girls gone right? wild. 
Yeah, yeah, Girls Gone just, Wild. Yeah. It just stopped. On Comedy Central? Yeah, late night Comedy Central. Yeah, like what South Park uh, was on or whatever, or the reruns at night. The way that it's been explained, like, oh, that was a bad time or this, that, or the other. People will say that, like, in 2040, like, oh, the, the, the 2010s or whatever the fuck we're going to call this era. Uh, people were, like, overly into identity stuff, right? And it just kind of receded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're saying that the woke identity stuff is the same <laughs> as Girls Gone Wild from the 90s. You got, In some ways. Got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Any other uh, nope. insights like nope, that? Nope, nope, Sex positive. It's a thing. I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. We will talk to you next time. Later. to live in where you're living in a world where everyone else is encouraged to judge uh, whether or not you're following a certain rule or not right like it, it's a it feels like a weirdly but like it's, it's what I imagine it feels like to live in a in an authoritarian based sort of system where you have all of these rules that aren't precisely enforced by by a legalistic framework, by the judicial system, by by large external forces, but instead are enforced entirely by by essentially social control. That's peer pressure, right? And, you know, and on right, that front, by peer have pressure, you, basically. I, I don't think I've ever. Maybe it's different down here in Georgia, but there's never been any like glance or look or whatever in two years. No one, you know, whatever it is that I am doing or not doing. No one has batted an eye. No one has looked at me funny. And it's always weird because sometimes when friends will visit, actually this past weekend, Binyam, a friend from Maryland or Metro DC came and we're going up the elevator uh, unmasked and other people joined our elevator and went up and he was like, oh my God, like up where I am, they're like, oh no, no, I'll take the next elevator. I'll walk up 10 flights of stairs. Like they'll, all they can do to avoid being on an elevator with someone who's not wearing a mask, right? And right. so, like, you know, that that's no one's like looking at you funny, but like even that, like, I want to stay away from you. That, that never happens, at least in my experience. But I guess the experience is different yeah. at, at different areas. And I wouldn't. It would never occur to me to like give somebody a shit-eating look because their mask had slipped below their nose or whatever. I, I saved I, that for my podcast. <laughs> I do judge those uh, people. If you're fully unmasked, you're fine. But if, you, if you're going to wear the mask... Wear the- I agree. <laughs> Just, like, don't yeah. wear it. Just don't wear it. Because it's doing nothing. <laughs> it looks so stupid, and it's... It's not more comfortable yes. below your That's, nose. It just looks stupid. Just take it off. It's not even malicious compliance. It's not compliant. You're not doing it, right? Like, you know, sometimes people it's will do stupid. a job poor, you know, like, just to yeah. be an asshole. I am familiar. My my son does oh. jobs poorly <laughs> on purpose. So. Is this how you want me to sweep? It's like, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. What the fuck is going on with those pants? Oh, wow. <laughs> like... What is it's happening? like, it's like one and a half or two crotches long. Like it's a low crotch with a very high waist. You right, don't often see that combination. Do you know that's like, so awful? That's like a little beneath the belly screen? button, right? Yeah, it's almost right to the belly button, which is a very high waist. Right. Well, he's turning fifty this year. Maybe he's like trying to get ready for the next half of his life. You know? I want to show you how. Look at the arms on that motherfucker. <laughs> fifty. I want to. Sh- how do I share my screen? I want to show you something awful.